You're listening to a podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we are going to be beginning here this morning. You can take your connection card there and there's a place for you to write notes to kind of keep up with what we're talking about here today and I'd encourage you to do that. Acts chapter 2, we'll, we'll look at that in a few moments. But first of all, I want to start out with a question for you. How many of you have ever had your life radically change in just one day? I mean, where perhaps it just started out as a very ordinary, very common kind of a day, just, you know what, everything was just going along, just normal, and then all of a sudden, your life changed. And life as you knew it would be forever different. And, and maybe it was good news. Maybe it was a good thing that happened. Perhaps you got the job that you always wanted and this was just so exciting. Or that contract was accepted. Or the transfer went through and you get to move to a new location. Or it was the birth of a child and, and everything in your life changed because of that. Or, or maybe it was she said yes. And you knew that it was going to be so different. You know, 22 years ago, right around this time of year, I was dating this young lady in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Her name was Charlotte Matico, and I had been dating her for a little while, and, uh, and things were progressing. And so one day I blindfolded her um, and took her to the Saskatoon airport where a friend was waiting there with his private little airplane. And he flew us from Saskatoon to Regina. I know not the most romantic place in the, in the country, but that's as far as time kind of allotted for this little um, thing to happen. And so it was there in Regina, Saskatchewan, at the Banshell in Wascana Park, overlooking the beautiful legislative buildings, I got down on one knee, and I proposed to Charlotte Matico, and she said yes. And my life, and her life especially, has never been the same since, and I am so thankful she said yes. And, and all of us have different stories like that, and, and there's good news stories, but then sometimes there's the bad news stories, where our life can change dramatically within a moment. Maybe it was a car accident, or you find out you're fired, a loved one passes away, or the test results come back. And it's not good. The relationship, the marriage is over. And we're crushed and we're devastated. You know, over 2,000 years ago, there was a group of people gathered in Jerusalem who just seemed like kind of a very ordinary day that they were going through. But on just a very normal, ordinary day, and yet there was a little celebration in the air, but it was just a normal celebration, the feast, the festival of Pentecost, the people were gathering together. The city was in a bit of a buzz, but it was the celebration of Pentecost was a celebration that the barley harvest was over, and they were waiting for the wheat harvest, so they got together to party a little bit and celebrate in Jerusalem, and devout Jews were coming into Jerusalem. And there was a little buzz in the air because of this Jesus that had, you know, had had been crucified and then he rose from the dead and was around for about 40 days. But now he's been gone for about 10 days. And so a little confusion, a little buzz in the air. But on that day, thousands of people's lives would be changed forever. On that day, Peter... The disciple, the one who betrayed Jesus, and, and, or not betrayed him, but rejected him and denied him, stands up, preaches this sermon, 
And 3,000 people say yes to Jesus Christ. And not only did they just walk an aisle or tick off a little box on a comment card, they went and they were baptized on that day. And their lives were dramatically changed on that day as the word of God was proclaimed. And what Peter had to preach that day was no soft, light little sermon. It was no seeker-sensitive or seekers-friendly sermon. He spoke the truth. He spoke the truth about God. He spoke the truth about who put Jesus on the cross and even turned to them. And he says, you put Jesus on the cross. But he also showed them the way. The way to real life. And it says that these people, these 3,000 people, there were more in the crowd, but 3,000 were cut to the heart and said, yes, we will follow him. They were changed, transformed life as they knew it. Their community, wherever they came from, would be forever changed. And we're going to read what ended up happening. What did they do? What happened beyond that? And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is where I'm going to start reading. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And as, and as, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, day by day, those who were being saved. Let me repeat that last verse again. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. This was an uncommon community. This was the start of something incredible. People from different social backgrounds, economic backgrounds, the rich, the poor, the needy, the mighty, were all coming together as a united family. And this was something that had never been seen before. This was incredible. Folks, this was the start of the New Testament church. And as you read through the first few chapters in the book of Acts, you see the power of God at work in a mighty way. This was the church in all of its power, in its simplicity, and for a little while in its beauty. And I want to declare to you folks today, as I've been saying to the core group that has gathered over the last year to two years, and have been praying and have been seeking God, I want you to know that I believe that an Acts 2 church is possible today, here in this city. In fact, the church of Jesus Christ is exploding around the world. In fact, people are coming to Christ day by day. There are those who are being saved. In, in areas like China, in Iran, in Egypt, in Afghanistan, in Mongolia, the church is growing and in an incredible way. An estimated 70,000 people are saying yes to following Jesus Christ every day. But how about here in Canada? How about here in Kelowna? When you look at the statistics in Canada, we are in one of the countries where Christianity is kind of flatlined and is kind of going along the road of decline. And I believe that whenever you you stray away from the ideal 
And you must return to it. You must look to the original. You must rediscover it. And that's what I believe and I am going to continue to keep serving the Lord for as long as he gives me breath to be a part of an Acts 2 church here in our nation, here in Canada, here in this city. And I believe that for Harvest Bible Chapel Kelowna, an Acts 2 kind of church is possible. And as we study it today, as we look... As we look at the first few chapters of the book of Acts over the next few weeks, our prayer is, oh Lord, do it again. Do it again in your richness, in your power, in your way, God. And may we be your servants. And may we be able to, together with one another, be able to say and declare, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Oh, that that would happen in this neighborhood in your families, in your workplaces, in this city, in our province, in our nation. And so today I'd like for us to look at some of these things that took place in this uncommon community. We're going to see here, it says in verse 42, that they were devoted. And first of all, we have to look at the word devoted. What does that word devoted mean? What it literally means is to be strong towards something, to, to endure, to some, some translations will say to continue steadfastly, a readiness, a quickness to get on it. What kind of things are we devoted to? Sports, checking account, getting more stuff. These people who had been so impacted by the gospel message were devoted first and foremost to four things that we're going to see here in this passage. And the first thing that they were devoted to, it says they were devoted to God's word. It says they devoted themselves, in verse 42, to the apostles' teaching. These people were hungry. They were eager for the word of God. They devoured the word when it was proclaimed. And what were the apostles' teaching? They were teaching the Old Testament. They were taking the law of the prophets. They were taking the the words of the Old Testament and showing and proving to the people that they were speaking that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the one that fulfilled the hundreds of prophecies. And that he was the Messiah. He was the Savior of the world, the promised one. And they took and they shared the words and the teachings of Jesus. And as that happened, people were struck to the heart and God did that work in their lives. They valued the word of God when it was spoken. They valued the word of God that they had in the scrolls as as it would be spoken and read in the temple. You see, the word of God, what it can do in our lives is it can renew Our hearts. It's how a dead heart comes alive. It's how a dysfunctional heart becomes normal. It gives us hope. It's how a heart that doesn't understand what is going on as you get into the word and as you read and as you understand it, it, it starts to give wisdom and understanding to the questions of life. And the only way that a disciple of Jesus Christ can survive in this day is to be devoted to the word of God. It is not just to survive, but to even thrive by trusting and knowing the word of God. And I want you to know at Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna, we take a high view of scripture. We see God's word as our ultimate authority. We see scripture as fully trustworthy as our final and sufficient 
authority for all of life. That is why our very first pillars, you'll see it over here on the left, you'll see it on your, on, on your, your handout, your, your bulletin you were given today. The, our first pillar there that we bro- proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. And it's not just to happen here on the stage, it is to happen wherever we go that we believe in God's word. That God wrote a book and that lives can be transformed when we start to live it and follow it and allow him to change and to transform us by his spirit's power. You might say, you know what, I, I'm just not a reader. I, I, I don't do well by reading. As soon as I read, I fall asleep or, you know, I, I just get distracted. I'm not a good... You know what, there's no excuse for that today. With all of the podcasts, with Bible on, used to be cassette tape, and now it's, you can download an app for that, you know, and you can get God's word that way. You can be listening to it. You can be pouring over it. There's Bible reading plans. Do you have a plan for reading through God's word? And it's not so important just to, you know what, check it off every day and say, you know what, I, I, I read God's word and and I'm doing this one year Bible reading plan, but it's a good thing to do. It's not just important just to get through God's word. It's, It's important to allow God's word to get through you and to do a work in your heart and to do a work in my heart, in my life. On our website, there are Bible reading plans. What, what are, what's your plan for, for reading God's Word? Is it just, you know, oh, well, where is it at today kind of thing? And, okay, Lord, hit me. You know, oh, look, it's a blank page. I guess I don't have to open it up. That, that actually, I, I didn't rehearse that. I just opened it up. It's the switch between the Old Testament and New Testament. Oh, I guess I don't have to read today. Sign from the Lord. No, that's not it. Come up with a plan to get through God's Word and allow God's Word to get through your life. One of the things, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of the table. And there will always be Bibles there. And you just help yourself to one of those Bibles and, and take it home. It's our gift to you. And encourage you to be bringing your Bibles on a Sunday morning so you can, can read and you can follow along and you can highlight and you can, can mark down some things that, that the Lord is speaking to you about. How it, can a person survive in a world that is filled with lies and deceptions if we don't have the Word of God getting into our lives? That's why memorizing scripture is so important. So that when life gets hard, and it will, when temptations and struggles come, and it will, that we have the tool belt of God's word that's accessible to us. You look at an electrician, you look at a carpenter, you look at at, at anyone in, in those kind of jobs, even you go to your dentist. I mean, they've got their tool belt or their tray. They have their tool belt, uh, uh, the, the labor kind of guys. I mean, they've got their stuff there and, and it's accessible because you need a tool for that. They've got it. They're ready to go. In the same way, we need to have God's word in our hearts and our minds because we're not always going to have time to Google that Bible verse. It's important to get it into our minds. Psalm 119, 11, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When we store up that word, it helps us to, to live lives that keeps us from sin. What hope is there for the families? Think of all the mixed messages our children, your grandchildren are getting. Messages that they get from social media, the entertainment industry, from the playground, from the classroom. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to the word. And that's one of the things I just love about Harvest Kids. That when kids come here, they are getting the word of God. Today they are starting the book of Genesis. And in three years, Harvest Kids will move right through the entire Bible. And on every Sunday, as they go through God's word, in three years, they will get the gospel. They will get Jesus poured into their lives. And we need to teach and to train our kids from the Word of God. That's why small groups at Harvest that will be starting in in the future 
are more than just a social group for, for, for adults to get together and, and to talk about, you know, at loose things and, you know, here and there and then to maybe open the Bible and pray together. It's about getting after God's Word. It's about taking the messages that we hear on a Sunday morning and not just hearing them because, you know what the sad thing is for me? I worked hard on this message this week. But most of you will forget what I had to say by um, 50% of it you'll lose by this afternoon. By Wednesday, 90% of it will be gone. And that's kind of discouraging to me. But you know what we're going to do to help you with that? Is you're in small groups. There's actually going to be discussion guides and you're going to have to remember and you take down notes and and then you you talk about God's word. And it's not like, oh yeah, that was a nice sermon that we heard. Yeah, yeah, that was good. It's like, how do you apply the word of God? It's like, let's get after it. Come on. Just don't get it in your head. We got to get it into our hearts. And and we need help with one another. Because you know what? Sometimes it's hard and you can struggle with God's word. And and sometimes there's hard questions. And we need others to walk with us. And the times to hold us accountable. If it comes to his word. When life cuts us up. And it will. When life cuts at our family. At our health. At our finances. In our relationships, what are we going to bleed? We're going to bleed the truth of God's word and know that he works in all things for the good. We're going to be able to trust him because we, we are knowing God's word. Start today. Get, get digging deeper into, into the word of God. Are you devoted to the word of God? The Acts 2 church was no wonder day by day people were getting saved because they were devoted to God's word. The early church was devoted. They were devoted to one another, we'll see secondly here. They were devoted to, it says in verse 42, the fellowship. Christ had given himself up for them, and so now they devoted themselves to one another, just like Jesus. Now understand, the word fellowship is a lot more than cookies and peach punch after a church service which has become oftentimes the the thing that we associate with fellowship. Go out into the, like we will today, we're going to have some cake, we're going to have some coffee together, but real fellowship is more than just having some cake and coffee after service. It's about getting into the lives of, of one another. It's about caring and walking with one another. As you read through this passage in, 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 in the other verses, you see two reoccurring words. And when you see reoccurring words, you have to take note of why are they reoccurring. And, and there's two reoccurring words there, and it's all and together. And you see that they were all, and they were together. And you see this, this oneness, this unity. And you have to think about, this was a weird group of people. Different racial groups, different Economic groups of people, people from different backgrounds, age barriers, all became a non-issue. Not a big deal. And they devoted themselves to fellowship to one another in small groups, in homes. They would break bread, they would worship, they would care for one another in, in a small group setting. And they would also be together in the temple courts. They would be in the large group gathering. And we see that, and, and, and they gave themselves to one another. In verse 45, we see that if somebody had a need, they didn't have bank accounts like what we have. They didn't have gift cards like, you know, we have now that when we sometimes know if somebody's in need, we can give them a gift card, we can give them some money. They didn't have that kind of system set up in the way we have it now. And so when somebody was in need, all of their, their, their resources were, were, were tied up in their possessions. Someone would sell some of their possessions and say, here, I'm going to sell this and I'm going to give you the proceeds from it. And that's the way they would care for one another. It's in a giving, of your, giving yourself away that you become like Jesus. And, and that's when 
the Lord returns a blessing back to you that, that you can't understand or imagine. But sadly, we hear this a lot today, it would seem, in our culture, here in Canada, in Western Canada, here in Kelowna. I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. I love Jesus, but I just don't need church. But you know what that would be like us saying to one another? It would be like you saying to me, hey, Melden, we really like you. We think you're a great guy and, uh, you know, we want to have you come over. But keep your wife at home. We don't like her. We don't care for your wife at all. And if you said that to me, I would say, you know what, I, I, I love my wife. My wife and I are a package deal. And it's not going to go well for our relationship if you like me and don't like my wife. It's just, we're probably not going to hang out. I mean, maybe for some counseling, but that's about it, right? <laughs> Jesus, his bride is the church. And Jesus calls us to be connected to the bride of Christ. How we need one another. Is it easy? <laughs> is family life easy? Are relationships easy? No. How about this one? But the church is full of hypocrites. I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. You know what my answer is to you on that one? <laughs> yeah, it is. You're right. And you know what? Welcome. There's room for one more of you. There's one, one, one more of us hypocrites. Because you know what? No matter how we try to live our life, there's times we're going to be hypocrites. We're not who we think we are or who we say we are. And by the grace of God and as he works on us and as he transforms us, hopefully we'll be, be more real and authentic people day by day. But we're all, we can be hypocritical in different areas in our lives. I mean, some of you walked in today and they said, hey, you know, people said, hey, how are you doing? You said, good. And you're not. Life is awful. Things aren't good. But, but, but we said that, right? And we're not going to judge you for that. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just, let, let's just level the playing field on this, right? Yeah, the church is full of hypocrites and that's why you're welcome here because, you know, we want to learn and we want to grow and we want to grow in holiness and Christ-likeness more and more. Maybe, maybe this is a reason that we run from fellowship in the church. I've been hurt by the church. You know what? If you've been hurt by the church, you're in good company. Jesus Christ, he was hurt by his own. He was betrayed by one of his own. He was rejected by his own. His own family rejected him and hurt him in that way. He was crucified by his very own. And you know what will no doubt happen sadly, 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 sooner or later, however, though, that if you are part of a church long enough, you will at times get hurt. And at times you will be part of the hurting of others. Sadly, that's a reality. And yes, sadly, there can be hurts and confusion and frustrations and politics that can happen. You know, I, I heard of a guy, I mean, but, but maybe this is where a little bit of the problem can be. I heard of a guy who was deserted on a desert island. Um, a deserted island. And, and uh, he was there for a good number of years, so he built some shelters. And, and then finally, after 10, 12 years, he was rescued. And, and, and as the rescuers came and he was kind of getting his belongings and that, they noticed these three buildings. And they said, well, what are these three buildings? He says, well, this is my house. This is where I lived. And, and, and then they said, and he says, this is my church, you know, this other building. And they said, what's the other? And he says, oh, that's the church I left. You know, and, and, you know, and he was all on his own. 
you know, and, and, and that, that, that can sadly be part of it. And, and being devoted to one another is working through it in the gospel. It's loving, it's forgiving, it's, it, it's caring for one another. It's allowing healing to happen when we've been hurt. That is what fellowship is about. Walking with one another, encouraging one another, iron sharpening iron. It's a place when real fellowship is happening, we can share the real state of our heart and our aspirations and our feelings and our failures and our confusion. And at Harvest, we desire to be a church, not with the small group ministry or small group program, but to be a church of small groups. That we, even our children and Harvest kids, will be having a small group time where they can share, where they can pray for and with one another. And that will happen through Harvest Youth as that gets rolling in the, in the future as well as in our small group ministry. A key part of our discipleship program that we believe it, it's small groups, it's doing life together. Thirdly, this group of people, they were devoted to God's presence. They were devoted to the presence of God. In verse 42, it says they were devoted to the breaking of bread. And what this was, was a term that we now often call the Lord's Supper or Communion. The early church would, would often meet together for meals. They would do potluck. Isn't, isn't potluck awesome? Potluck meals, so good. I mean, the early church was meeting together for potlucks. And then after the potluck, they would, would clear off the tables. And then they would break bread. And they would, would pass around um, the, the cup in remembrance of the broken, bre- broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And as they did that, they worshipped Jesus. And, and when we gather together in worship of Jesus, we know that, that his presence fills a room. I mean, we know he's everywhere. But as we lift high the name of Jesus in worship, we, we know his, his power, his presence becomes that much more real. And they were devoted because they knew that without the power and the presence of Jesus Christ in their lives to face the future and the things that they were going through, they needed him. They needed more and more of his power in them. They needed the Holy Spirit in them. And as they would gather together, they would be encouraged, they would be strengthened, and the presence of Jesus would fill them in a new and a fresh way. They were devoted to the the presence of Jesus. When we worship, burdens are lifted. When we worship, healings can happen. There's forgiveness, there's strength, there's encouragement. God's power is released. And that is why we are committed to worshiping. And fourthly, they were devoted to prayer. The early church was a praying church. It was birthed in prayer. It was sustained in prayer. It forged ahead through prayer. When there were sick People prayed. When they were persecuted, they prayed. When they were afraid, they prayed. When there was a need, the first thing they did was pray. They were a praying church. And we desire here, I mean, for the last two years, two years ago as people started to meet to pray, the simple prayer was, Oh Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And we are desiring to be a church that prays, not just to say it, not just to have it on one of our pillars, but to live it and to to live it out on a daily basis. That's why at 8.45 on Sunday mornings as we have things that are set up and and things are taken care of, we want to stop, drop, and pray just like we did today. We gathered together, we stopped what we did, we dropped it, and we just spent some time together in prayer because we know without prayer, we're done. And we need to be a praying people. And and after the services, I want you to know that you can come for prayer even this Sunday. um, This Sunday afterwards, after we we worship together, you can come and, and you can 
be prayed for and be prayed with. And the connection card, as John mentioned a little while ago, the connection card, please fill that out if you have a prayer request. Fill that out. It will be prayed for. It will be kept confidential, but it will be prayed for because we want to be praying together. We, monthly, we will be having a worship and a prayer night, and we'll keep you posted on that. We'll have a location and a time for that very soon. Prayer is a significant part of our small group ministry. They were a group of people that were devoted to prayer. And what was the result? What was the result of being devoted to God's Word, to being devoted to one another, to be devoted to worship and devoted to prayer? And it says in verse 43, and it says, And awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were be done, being done through the apostles. You know what happened when they devoted themselves to this? God showed up in a mighty and a powerful way. That word awe means a crushing weight of God's power and God's glory. They would see the mess in their own lives, but then they would also see the cross and they would see what Jesus Christ would do for them. And they were just filled with awe and amazement that the holy God of this universe would accept them and love them and forgive them. And they were filled with awe. And when that happened, miracles were taking place. People were being healed. Transformations in people's lives. Another result was there was joy. It says with glad and generous hearts, people were praising God. You know what that word generous means? It doesn't mean that they were just willing to give things up. The actual word in Greek translates to something just even, I think, far more amazing than the word generous that we have in our English language. And, and maybe because it's a little bit of an awkward word, it's maybe why they don't put it in the Bible. But it should, the best translation of that, the best way to explain it, is smoothness. With glad and smooth hearts. There was just a smoothness to, to what was going on. Another way to understand it, that word can mean, is without stones. Have you ever maybe dropped some gum <laughs> and true confession, you drop some gum on the ground and, you know, or some food and, and it's just like, you know, the five second rule and you go pick it up and you put it back in your mouth, you start chewing it and then you realize that there's a little stone in there and you bite down. How wonderful does that feel? Especially if it's on a place where you know you need some dental work maybe. I mean, it can send you through the roof, right? And, and you get a stone in your mouth or apparently... I understand kidney stones are a little bit of a pain. Probably some of you could attest to that. Or, or, or how about when you're walking along and you get a stone in your shoe and all of a sudden you know if you don't do something about it, it's going to get a, it's going to, you know what, be a bit of a pain and you're going to stop, you're going to take your shoe off and you're going to bang it and you're going to get it out and if it's a problem with the sock, then you, you go, I had that happen recently, and, and you take your sock off, you whip it around and, and it's just a little stone. And, and so here, what it's saying is with glad and without stones, there was a smoothness. Why? Because all these people were just amazing and didn't have any problems? No, because they were thinking of others more highly than themselves. Because they were pursuing Jesus Christ in a fuller and a deeper way in their life. And, and, and there was just gladness. And, and it was, you know what, people didn't get, get you know, their noses out of joint, you know what, quickly over different things. And, and well, you know what, as, as you continue to read in the book of Acts, there, there were some issues that they needed to work through. It wasn't a perfect church. But what was the result of all of this? There was awe, oh, there was joy, there was the smoothness. And then there was multiplication. 
The Lord added to their number day by day. 3,000 on one day, repented and baptized. In Acts 4, 4, 4, we read that that number grew to 5,000. And then you know what? They stopped counting. You know why? Because it was spreading like a wildfire. They couldn't contain it. The movement of God. That's why in all of it, it wasn't easy days for them. They had their issues. They had their hypocrites. They had those that were there for position and for, you know what, just the wrong reasons. They had persecution and opposition. But day by day, lives are being transformed. That's why I love the four pillars of Harvest Bible Chapel. Because I believe solidly that as we proclaim God's word, proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology in the way that we speak here in the way that we teach, but in the way that we live our lives. And as we lift high the name of Jesus in worship, as we believe firmly in the power of prayer, that as we are doing this as individuals and allowing God to do that new work, that fresh work in our lives, that last one, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness, just becomes automatic. It just, just flows out of us because we're being changed and we're being transformed. And people say, what's happening to you? It's because we're paying attention to these first three things. That's what the early church was a part of. And they knew they needed one another to help in that process. God was multiplying the church. So I have a question for you. But don't answer it out loud. Okay, just answer it in your head. Because it might be a bit of a trick question. And I really don't want to embarrass you and, and by you giving an answer. So if this group here today, and those who join us in the weeks and months ahead. If we devoted ourselves to these four things, I mean, really got on it. I mean, we pushed hard on these devotions and, 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 and these four things of God's word and helping one another and worshiping in prayer. Don't answer. Would the same thing happen today that happened in Acts chapter 2? Because I think the answer is yes, but the answer is also no. Because here's the danger of what we're talking about here today. These four things can simply just boil down to religion. To a checklist. Read my Bible. I prayed today. Went to church. Okay, God, show up. It doesn't work like that. That's not how it works. You see, sometimes I, I, I think it, it's kind of funny... Um, I don't want to pick on Sunday school when I was a kid, but sometimes I think there's maybe some myths that we learned in Sunday school. You know, and um, one of them would be a song that we used to sing. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. You remember that one? Maybe it was a Saskatchewan prairie thing. Maybe it wasn't for, you know, uh, where you people, you know, um, you know, and we'll grow, 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 and we'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and we'll grow, grow, grow. It's not necessarily true. Not necessarily going to happen. We may grow godly in a good kind of way, but we could also possibly grow more self-righteous and proud. Because some of these things can become like a spiritual treadmill. Where we're just, you know what, if we're struggling, someone just says, well, just read your Bible more. Just, you know, if you read more, if you just spent an hour in prayer, as opposed to, you know you know, five minutes in prayer, you know what, God's going to come to you. Just, just, you know, be more generous, you know, j- just give and give and give. And after a little while, you get tired and you get worn out. And it's like being on the treadmill. At the end of your run, you get nowhere. And so oftentimes, that's what Christianity can boil down to if we're not careful. 
And there can often be a lot of guilt associated with it. Oh, if I just read my Bible more. Oh, if I just prayed more, life would be different. God wouldn't be doing this to me. You see, that's why we need to start next week in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And we need to look at the foundation of how this church began. Because today, I must admit, I, I baited you a little bit by reading this good part. By reading, you know what, the, that's kind of like, to me, this is, you know what, cake we're going to be eating, to me, the best part of the cake is the icing. Love the icing. Well, this is the icing that I've read to you today. But now you've got to get into the inside of it, and we have to see how this was possible. How the church came about. See the foundation that it's built on. Any beautiful structure that gets built, it's, and, and if it's to endure and to last a long time, you'll find that there's a solid foundation that has been worked on poured over sweated over a lot of money has gone into that in order for there to be something beautiful above ground and we're going to see in the first few chapters of the book of acts the foundation of the church how it all came about and as we work our way through these first few chapters we come to see how this odd group of people, this uncommon community, started with 120 people in an upper room, grew to 3,120, grew to 5,000 people, and now today an estimated over 2 billion people would call themselves Christians, with 70,000 people a day giving their hearts to Jesus Christ. You see, these religious people were cut to the heart as the word was proclaimed. They recognized that it was their sin that put Jesus on the cross. They were convicted of their sin. They repented and they said they were sorry to the Lord and they asked him to forgive them. But that word repent also means that they changed their mind. They changed their thinking about the way they were living. They, they, they changed how they were going about processing life. And they were processing in a way of God, in and through the word of God. They made choices to live differently. They lived in the power of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, not in their own power. Matt Chandler, a pastor that I enjoy listening to, he said, God meets us where we are. He tells us the truth about ourselves. And what's the truth about us? That we're broken, sinful people. That we can't save ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. And what does he do? He offers us new life in the gospel. You see, the gospel is something that we must receive every day in our lives. I'm not saying pray and receive Christ for salvation every day, not get saved every day, but it's going every day to the foot of the cross. Going every day and falling under the waterfall of God's grace in confession and repentance. Because you know what? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love is the testimony of my heart. And I need to daily keep coming back to what the gospel is all about, that I am forgiven, that I am set free, and as I confess and as I repent, I receive the waterfall of God's grace in my life, anew and afresh each day. They live then in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in their own power. And when that happens, it's not about religion. It's about daily meeting the Lord at the foot of the cross. And you see, the ground at the foot of the cross, even here, it's level. The ground is level. That's where Jesus absorbed the wrath of God that we deserve. Have you been captured by the gospel? Or is Christianity just a set of beliefs that you adhere to or a lifestyle you conform to? 
Is it the weekly check mark? Is it the daily? Yes, I, I, I did a little reading today and I said a few prayers and I tried to be nice to uh, the dog and I tried to be nice to my neighbor. You know, is that all that, that it really means? But when you have a group of people who have been captured by the gospel, have been captured by what the Lord has done, who are then devoted, and it's out of the capture by the gospel that devotion becomes that much more natural. You want to get after it. And devoted to the word of God, you become devoted to one another. It's not a forced thing. You do it not because you have to, but because you want to, because you understand what he has done for us. And that is what we are trusting the Lord for here at Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in prayer. Father, I just thank you that you have found us. Each person that is here today. You found us where we are at. You tell us the truth about us. That we are sinful people that are in need of daily your amazing grace in our lives. And in order for the chains of sin and fear and hurt and bitterness and resentment and greed and idolatry, things that can creep into our lives, in order for us to be set free from that, we need to fall under the waterfall of your grace Turn our eyes upon Jesus and look at his incredible sacrifice. Look at his love. And with broken and contrite hearts, we look to you, Jesus. We know that when the Heavenly Father looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, but he sees the Savior. He sees Jesus in our place. And Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are ready and willing to transform transform any old heart, any one of us. Lord Jesus, I pray for anyone here who does not know you personally as their Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, I pray that they would know that even today after the service, they can meet with one of us and, and we can help them in that, to receive you as their Lord and Savior. Or maybe it's, It's a commitment that was made years ago, but wandered away from that. And Lord, we know that your grace and your mercy extends to us no matter what we've done. That is your amazing grace. Lord, I pray that even as we worship you and as we pour our hearts out to you in this last song together, Lord, that that chains would be broken that you would do a new work and that Harvest Bible Chapel Kelowna would be a church that is captured first and foremost by the gospel, by the transformational message that Jesus Christ died for us, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And from that, Lord, may our devotion to you just grow stronger and deeper. May our devotion for the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, something that you love, that you gave yourself for, that you are desiring to to continue to keep growing and to see expand here in this city. Lord Jesus, that we would then be a part of it. Just as the early church, group of people, many of them didn't even know each other, and yet they were united in the gospel. 
you did a great work of transformation. We pray you would do that here today and in the months and the years ahead, and we give you the praise and the glory.